future is Mecca. The previous episode. And we pitched forward, cockpit first, onto the pad. The only reason I stood it there, deep in the trees away from the school, was because I was absolutely ashamed of the stupid thing. Hand cancelled. Bring back the hand. Hand! Praxin is joining your table. Say hey. Your parents don't respect your art form. Yo, dim lord. It followed me the whole way. Some kid even fell over in front of me and thrashed his arms and legs. I don't want to hear that. Lyrica was my sister. Stream buddy! Until I saw Enu leaning into the corner of the landing. Monday, Praxit. That gives you the three days of the weekend to get the data I asked for. Get to the line before the best goop is all gone. Can I get you anything? Protein drink? No, I'm all set. Alistair has me well catered. Coda said as he took a slender white box out of his spotless white backpack. He placed it on the table. It looked like a giant bar of soap carved out of marble. There was a metal lever countersunk in the top of it. He got a finger under it and lifted it. A hiss sounded and, I'm not kidding, when he took off the top, mist spilled out of the edges across the tabletop and drifted down to the floor. Inside were little compartments filled with rice, sushi rolls and sashimi. That fresh fish is expensive stuff. Coda waved the mist away with the lid. Grab one for the line. Keep your strength up. I know you love wasabi. He revealed a small pool of soy sauce and dragged a chopstick through it. Pale swirls of wasabi paste bloomed on the surface behind the chopstick. He didn't have to tell me twice. I grabbed a roll, dipped it in the sauce and stuffed it in my mouth. I saluted him as the hot fumes, like delicious mecha paint solvent, barreled their way up into my sinus cavities. Pungent. I nearly coughed out a spray of rice all over him. I headed to the nearest food station, still chewing, keeping my head down and a wary eye and ear out for any cries of, Dim Lord! But everyone was too busy grabbing food, eating and talking to their friends. Food stations are large stainless steel boxes. Imagine a super giant fridge, except it has open sections where you can grab pre-packs of drinks, dough pockets, desserts and stuff. You have to pay for those with your mini-tab. The free food comes out of the serving dispensers. Fat metal tubes that dump portions of daily learner slop on your tray. Whatever hydro salad or vegetables Glurk thinks you should be eating. And some kind of gelatinous dessert that was either milky and opaque or transparent and brightly colored. Those dispensers are why kids give the stations names like Sputron 3000, Pukimek, and Regurgitation Station. My favorite is Upchuck Charlie. I grabbed a biodegradable tray and a bamboo spork from the stacks in the Upchuck Charlie and joined the line. I was still chewing, and I hit a big wad of wasabi hidden between the chicken and the rice just as I was jabbed in the spine with the edge of a tray. I turned around. It was Burko, and standing behind him was Harissa, grinning maliciously over his shoulder. Burko jabbed me again. Get moving, dim lord. You're holding up the line, he said. Well, what are you wet? The edge of his tray caught me right in the guts, just as the wasabi was hitting me, the fumes rolling up and burning the back of my nose. I couldn't help it. I coughed violently. Half-chewed rice, chicken, and seaweed went everywhere. A few pieces even hit Harissa, but most of it splattered against Burko's face and a bunch flew right into his open mouth. Ew, said Harissa. The two guys in the line behind her started laughing. 
I was coughing, and Burke was spluttering and scraping his tongue with his fingers. It went in my mouth, you basic micro, he said. I tried to apologize, but I was still coughing. He grabbed a fistful of my shirt and raised his tray to batter me with it. Then, Azalea was between us. Save it for tryouts, Burko, she said. Hi, Harissa. You've got some rice on your shoulder. Can you pass me a tray? He spat food in my mouth. Let go of his shirt, said Azalea. She poked him in the breastbone with her finger and made him flinch. He was choking, poke, because you, poke, pushed into him, poke. I, poke, saw it all. The drones, poke, did. Everyone, poke, did. Now, poke, let go, poke. He did it on purpose, said Burko, letting go of my shirt to rub the sore spot he now had on his chest. Yeah, over both of us, said Harissa, handing Azalea a tray but not looking happy about it. I hit some wasabi, I said. I can still taste it, said Burko. Ew, said Azalea. Would you hurry up, someone down the line shouted. Azalea bumped me with her hip towards the food tubes. Deal with it on the field at Wednesday's tryout, said Azalea. You mean he's going to try out again, said Harissa. I'm going to try out again, I said. See, said Azalea, he's going to keep trying out until he makes the team. He's never going to make the team, said Burko. We'll destroy the big-nosed cretin for real next time. No way is he taking one of our spots, said Harissa. We're starving back here, yelled a voice. I hit the buttons on the tubes and some kind of universal chicken and rice noodle stuff glurped onto the tray, followed by a green splodge of what could have been grass clippings and a dollop of beige gloop that slowly spread out to fill its section of the tray. It smelled like vanilla and had little brown balls floating in it that I hoped were chocolate-flavored. I waited for Azalea, staring at my tray, watching green liquid seep out of the vegetables, ignoring everyone else. Why did you tell them I was going to try out again? I said as we headed towards Coda. Azalea looked at me like she didn't understand what I was saying. Because you gotta. But it's pointless. The baby's useless. I just get humiliated again. Doesn't matter. My humiliation doesn't matter? If you don't try out, Burko, Harissa, Tien, Risto, they win. As long as you keep trying, you don't lose. And you've never been a loser. Well, I've never had a loser mecca before. We reached the table. What was the altercation at the Sputron? Coda said as we sat down. They were unhappy that Praxit was going to try out again, said Azalea. They should be scared. Praxit will take them. And I kind of coughed sushi all over them, I said, and Coda rolled his eyes. Right in Burko's mouth, said Azalea. Coda laughed. We all laughed, though I did still feel pretty embarrassed about it. We ate in silence for a bit. The chicken stuff was okay. A bit limey and a bit lemony. Very tangy. It was probably Glurk's idea of what Thai food tasted like. You don't really think I should try out again, do you? I said. I said it, didn't I? Said Azalea. It would be fantastic if someone showed up those brigands, said Coda. You wouldn't quit a sim if you lost, said Azalea. I'd have a better mecha in a sim. I'd lose because a better opponent beat me, not because a basic mecha is making me lose. Perhaps you need to treat the mecha as an opponent, said Coda. Your mecha is supposed to be like a partner, not an opponent, I said. Jaya and Lashana came up to our table carrying chairs and food trays. There were the other two dancers and Azalea's Malay squad. 
Jaya was a huge guy, the size of a grown-up. I think he's even bigger than my dad. For such a big guy, he acts like he wouldn't hurt a fly. He speaks softly and always has a gentle smile on his face. He didn't dye his hair to match his bare metal yogi mech, but he keeps it long and always has it up in a bun. Lashana was one of those weird kids who likes mechas so much she dressed like one. She had short silver hair and wore a pair of clear wraparound goggles like a cockpit canopy and a tight silver onesie that had joints and panels outlined on it. It even had a data port printed on the lower back. She was also wearing matching gloves to give herself mecha hands. She was quiet as a mecha too. As quiet as a mecha with a voice interface turned off, I mean. Conversation turned to the competition they had coming up tomorrow, who they're up against, who was going to be judging it. I went through the sim invites on my mini-tab. Friday is a big day for simming in the stream teams. Stream teams are the people who launch sim sessions and invite players in. They stitch together the live veer feeds and add commentary. On Thursdays, they send out invites promising points and stream time if you participate in their sessions. It turned out, much to my disappointment, that the little brown balls in the dessert weren't chocolate-flavored. There was some kind of licorice and vitamin-paste flavor. Yuck! Who programmed that? Someone who didn't like learners. There was a popular theory that the food machines were programmed by ex-guides getting their revenge on us. Coda had packed away his beautiful white lunch lozenge and was busy on his mini-tab. He leaned over laughing to show me something on its screen, but stopped and sat up. Here comes Davor and company, he said. He swept a hand up his white cylinder of hair to make sure it was standing tall and straight. I put my head down and kept scrolling through the sim invites. Hey, Davor, what's up? said Coda. Dimlord here scratched my mecha, I heard him say behind me, and someone kicked my chair and I slid forward a few centimeters. Hey, Dimlord. Why is my dark strutter missing paint on its arm and stomach, huh? I pocketed my mini-tab and shrugged at Azalea's questioning look. Why would he scratch your mecha? And how did he do it? Climb a ladder? said Azalea. I'm talking to you, Praxit, said Davor. My chair was spun around with a squeal of metal feet on the tile floor, and I was facing him, Nobu, and Klaus. The three of them were all wearing black, of course, and their hair was black and glued up into wedges and spikes. Klaus even wore black eyeliner, while Nobu had a black cap over his top eye teeth, so they looked like black fangs. Davor didn't have any makeup or dental decorations, just a fierce expression and a pair of black gloves with silver points on the knuckles. He had one hand in a fist, and the other was rubbing the sharp metal points like he was imagining what it would feel like to hit me with them. Nobu and Klaus looked like they wanted to help. I didn't scratch your mecha. I said, because technically I didn't. It was a stupid baby's fault, or whoever did such a bad job of building the basic lump. Also, because if I admitted it, he was obviously going to pound me. What are you going to do about it, Dim Lord? said Davor. He said he didn't do it, said Azalea. We know he did it, said Nobu. How'd he do it then? said Azalea. He ran his mecha into mine in the stand, said Davor. Lashana started laughing. You're crazy, Neef, she said. I was surprised she spoke, especially to Davor. Maybe she didn't like hearing people criticize Mechas. Her voice became mocking. Oh, his Mecha hit my Mecha. Like that happens. You probably did it yourself with your CO clout. Scratch your own cheap spray can job. Stay out of it, said Klaus. I asked what you're going to do about it, said Davor to me. 
I shrugged. What could I do about it? Buy him a can of black body paint? I don't think that's what he really wanted. Didn't seem vengeful enough. He didn't like my shrug. It definitely wasn't the response he was looking for. He grabbed my shirt with both hands and pulled me out of my chair. I was on my tiptoes, holding onto his wrists and trying to push away, stretching my shirt for the second time in like 15 minutes. Listen, basic big nose, he started and gave me a shake. One of Jaya's massive hands came down on Davor's wrists. You can't be grabbing people, Jaya said in his high, soft voice as he loomed over both of us. Davor glared at me, then shoved me back into the chair and slid until it hit the table. He jabbed a finger in my direction. His face was red with anger. I gave you a chance to fix it. Remember that, he said, and stalked away and out the doors of the eating place with Nobu and Klaus right behind him. Jaya shook his head. They're going to pop you, cuz, he said. You better watch your mecca. Stick to Travnav. That was very dramatic, said Coda as I turned my seat around and sat down. He'd been silent through the whole assault. People do seem to like grabbing your shirt today. Davor is so toxic, said Azalea. I think you should just forget about them. Come and watch us practice for tomorrow's comp. We better go now if we're going to get a couple of run-throughs in before stream starts, said Jaya. Lashana, silent again, stood up and jerked her head in the direction of the doors to outside. I can't face the baby. I'm going to stay and go through my sim invites, I said. Azalea bumped fists with Kodo across the table and patted my shoulder. Just as I thought I was going to escape her farewell uninjured, she pulled my hair. Don't worry about Davor. He's all talk, she said, and the three of them left. Anything interesting coming up tomorrow for you, Praxit? said Coda. There's a tower battle elimination series, but there's no points unless you make it into the final four, I said. How big is the starting field? asked Coda. A thousand and twenty-four, which means you need to win five rounds to come out on top. How many points are they offering? One thousand for winning and two hundred for making the final four. So you can make up to 1,200 points tomorrow. Or I can lose and burn through 10 to 50 points in sim time, I said. How many points do you have in your pool currently, Praxit? I opened the sim management app on my mini tab and had a look. 12,000-ish, I said. I would have had over 17,000 except for the 5,000 I'd given to the simmers to chase down Admiral Coop. It wasn't cheap and I'm not sure it was worth it. If you ever want to convert your points to cash, I know a dealer. She will exchange them for preloaded cards, any denomination. One day, I'm kind of saving up for a hardback ranger. With 12,000, you're pretty far from affording a six-meter base mech, and a hardback ranger is substantially more. You'll need to start dreaming if you want to earn actual real money. That's what I told my dad. He said not until I finish all my streams. That wasn't going to happen for a long time. I was weighing up the embarrassment of being seen in a base mech against the humiliation of piloting the baby when a squad of eight drones dropped in around me. The red flash of a scanning beam passed over my eyes. Seems someone in admin wants to see you, said Coda. But whom? Warner Praxit, please be escorted, broadcast one of the drones. My test score had finally been noticed. My cheating had been detected. And now I was being taken to one of the administrators to be kicked out of the learning place. Don't look so worried, Prax. They'll probably want to give you a certificate for getting on the stream board. I'm not sure it's an award I'm going to be getting, I said. Coda gave me a quizzical look as he tried to understand what I was saying. Learner Praxis, please be escorted now or enjoy penalties. 
I grabbed my bag and stood up. The drones kept their distance, but remained at chest height in a circle around me. See you on the steps after stream? I sure hope so. I followed the drone with a flashing light. It led the way through the eating space. Kids were looking at me. I straightened up and put on a bored expression. Kids get escorted by drones for all kinds of reasons. None of them good. If you would come willingly, like you lost your bag and someone handed it in, they would just send a message to your mini-tab. As I was led out of the eating place and into the hall, I thought about running. You can't run faster than a drone. And while I outweighed the squad, they had a surprising amount of thrust and they were programmed to use it strategically. The rotors were all shielded so you couldn't be hurt if they pressed against you, which they would do if you ran. And then you would find yourself being steered with bumps here, nudges there, being kept off balance and stumbling exactly where they wanted you to go. If I just sat down and refused to move, someone would eventually come to me and they would be even angrier. If I ignored them, my dad would be notified. If I ignored him, they could start cutting me off. I'd lose connection to everyone on my mini-tab except my dad in the learning place. Then I'd lose media access, then sim access. After that, I would be cut off from the learning place and Travnav. And if I sat there until I was 24, I would be cut off even from basic. Though they would send in real, living, breathing security officers a long, long time before that. So why resist? Why try and run? Glurk had layer after layer of enforcement, devoted to ensure you did what you were supposed to do. On the bright side, I thought, once Dad calmed down about me being kicked out, he would have to agree to letting me vream. How else was I going to make a living? Sitting on a basic lounge watching basic veers and spending basic income? I don't think you would like to see that. As I passed the waiting zone, the drones changed direction, and I felt a wave of relief run up from my feet to the top of my head. I wasn't being taken to the admin section. Then I was delivered to the door of the stream advisor, and that wave of relief crashed hard, drowning me in panic. Cooper Tremblay opened the door as I arrived. The drones rose up above our heads but didn't leave. Learner Praxit, he said with a sneer. With his veer set off, I could see his old man eyes. They were red-lined, like his eyelids were infected and trying to peel away from his eyes which were pale blue and seemed to be vibrating with anger. Running above his bushy grey eyebrows and across the bridge of his nose were the marks from years of wearing a veer set for most of the day. He had a tablet in his hand that he was pretending to refer to. I saw your stream selections. Media. Technical. I would not be fulfilling my responsibilities if I didn't ensure you had optimum placements. Of course I had to review your learning performance. And I must say, here he shook his head like he was disappointed and turned the tablet to face me. It displayed a line chart showing all the times I tested out and my scores. It was a pretty flat line except for the sudden rise at the end. My cheating was so obvious. I kept silent and wished he would just get to the bit where I get kicked out of the learning place. I enjoyed sending your results to the invigilator. She loves talking to high-achieving students. Especially when just yesterday there were chronic underachievers. She's probably scanning through your Veer sessions right now. All of them. Marveling at your genius as it blossoms. He pinched on the chart and it crumpled. He flicked it off the screen, revealing his tablet's wallpaper. It was a picture of an old sailboat. Like one of the models on the shelf in his office. Out in the ocean, sails up and filled with wind. With some islands off in the distance behind it. 
He had himself edited into the image, standing behind the boat's steering wheel. A pair of extinct dolphins were diving out of the water in front of the boat. Do you have anything to say for yourself? What could I say? Sorry for not wanting to be called Dumb Lord? Sorry your veer boat sank? Would an apology fix anything? And what would I be apologizing for? Things happen in Sims. You don't go destroying people's lives over it. Not if you're normal. Not a word. You might be Lord in the Sims, with the points to pay Simmers to risk grieving. But let me tell you, in real life you're a bug. A basic bug who doesn't understand that other people also have points. Many, many more points. And Simmers love to talk for points. And share screen caps of chats for points. Anything to stay out of trouble. So, like all annoying bugs, you're getting squashed. Maybe this will be a lesson. Perhaps the only one you learned all by your foolish self. Drones dismissed. And you'll be dismissed shortly too, I expect. He shut the door in my face as the drones whined away to charge or to wait for the next task. My face felt hot. I must have turned red as a hydroponic strawberry. C-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O. Oh, moon and Mars and Uranus. Want more Futurist Mecca? And want it sooner? Visit patreon.com slash Futurist Mecca.